Welcome to our Saturday simulcast, joined by Tom Deanhart and Brian Newbert. I'm Alan Carpet, GoldenBlack.com. We want to thank the uh, Union Club Hotel, and we will be having appearances uh, uh, for, for our Friday night, uh, uh, Friday night, or excuse me, Thursday night live. Though it actually will be Wednesday, I believe, uh, the night before the Penn State game. Uh, we can coax Tom into joining me down at the at uh, the the whiskey room at the at the Boiler Up Bar. We'll be doing that, but also I think we have another date set scheduled for for November, and then Brian and I will do a basketball show at some time, uh, probably in February. I know it'll be the highlight of your media careers for both of you, but. Uh, we appreciate the Union Club and all that they're doing uh, with us, and we appreciate uh, uh, their role as sponsor. So, guys, uh, Tom, it's finally here, uh, or getting here at least. Uh, all this talk about NIL and collectives and all this has all been noise, but we are going to have football season with real, real football uh uh, discussion and obviously that starts next Wednesday for Purdue this coming Wednesday I should say the back the second day of Purdue, Big Ten Media Day you've covered a lot of these in the past and been around with it uh, uh, just your thoughts going in and maybe uh, you know the questions to, about Purdue football but maybe when you sit across from Jeff Brom what will be some of the top of mind awareness things that you're going to try to try to get from Purdue's coach yeah the thing kicks off on Tuesday seven teams Tuesday like you said Alan Purdue goes on Wednesday. That's their seven-team allotment. And, uh, yeah, I think, you know, Brian's talking about this, some of the things he's written. Um, I think we all can anticipate what some of the hot topics are going to be, right? Uh, there'll be a lot of uh, national interest on getting Commissioner Kevin Warren's spin on, yeah. on a number of things, right? Mainly, I guess, conference realignment. And so he'll be peppered with questions. And of course, I'm sure some transfer portal will come up with some of the new developments on that front. Now, guys, there's there's talk of, you know, allowing players to transfer as many times as they want without. Yeah. Without that all. So on and on yeah. it goes NIL, like you said, is going to be a, a topic, too. So those would be some of, the, I guess, broad stroke over overarching uh, storylines that I'm sure are going to get hammered to death and. And uh, and then, you know, dropping down to to lower levels, team by team, of course, Purdue. Uh, it's kind of an interesting, interesting team this year. Uh, I guess I'm overly optimistic, but I, I found people that are pessimistic. And I guess if you look hard enough, you can find find potentially fatal flaws. But um, I think this could be one of Jeff Brom's better teams. Um, there are questions to address. And um there's there's uh there's some key ones too right guys uh you know brian talked about those too and something uh, this week you know, who's going to be that alpha wide receiver do they have somebody who can take the top off a of defense with no david bell or milton wright uh, how's that offensive line going to look that's a that's a that's a and that's an annual question right and then the defensive line too there's a lot of talent uh but are, are, are there any difference makers right uh, I don't think there's any Carl Loftus. We can all agree on that. But who's going to be the guy who brings the heat or the guys who bring the heat? So those are some key questions I think Jeff Rom will certainly be asked. Uh, of course, in, in addition to, to Jeff Brom being there, Jalen Graham, the linebacker, will be present. Aiden O'Connell, 
and Payne Durham will be the three players representing Purdue guys. No shock there, right? Uh, I think Jalen Graham's probably the best. He's the best pro prospect on the team. And Aiden O'Connell, right? He's squarely in the crosshairs as a guy who uh, starting to get a little bit of a national profile. He's on everybody's radar, and it's going to be fun to see what he can do this year in that offense. And he is the guy. Yeah, yeah, it is going to be interesting on on uh, drilling down and seeing what. Uh, and there's always seems to be a surprise or something, a roster move that you may not anticipate that maybe the, the coach will make public as well. I mean, it, it, you know, Brock Thompson being an example, not a roster move, but, you know, how, what's his health, whether, whether he's going to be ready, all those kind of questions I would think would come before. Yeah, I guess may, maybe something like that will crop up. Um, it will be big news, I think. Um, I don't anticipate any, any, yeah. any earth shaking. Um, so, yeah, you, you never know, right? Uh, uh, you know, I'm just trying to think personnel-wise. They're, they're, they're pretty well set. Um, you know, they had the, the late attrition here of Samson James a couple of weeks ago, but um, we're sort of to believe – I think we feel pretty good that they're not going to add anybody else to try to replace Samson James. They're going to ride with the group of running backs they've got. And, and I've started to roll out on the website just some real quick kind of fun training camp previews. And uh, the running back one's coming up. And Kobe Lewis, the kid from Central Michigan, the transfer, he's, he's a guy I'm really eager to get a look at, right? Um, I think there's a chance he could end up maybe being your number one running back at some point. If not right out of camp, maybe by the end of September, who knows? It's going to be fun watching him and then King Daru battle it out there. Dylan Downing's back as well. So, um, and then Tyrone Tracy, how, how, how he's going to be used, yeah. right? We know he's going to catch passes. Um, how much and how big of a factor is he going to be carrying the ball? He's, he's going to be fun too. And then lastly, guys, Charlie Jones. Maybe that's the one kid who has as many people excited as any, as any newcomer, right? Uh, the Iowa wide receiver return man, boy, what he could mean to this offense, right, guys? Um, I think he was really intrigued with the chance to play in this offense to catch passes, and we all know what his return skills are like. And he could be a heck of a heck of a diamond in the rough, if you will, for Purdue, you know, coming this fall. Yeah, Brian, we gave you we gave you two questions for Tom because we know you're still coming off. Uh... <laughs> Oh, I'm fine. Don't worry about me. <laughs> no, I know that. No, I mean, but the, the whole COVID front and uh, glad that you're healthy and hope that uh, everybody in your sphere is getting that way. But COVID uh, brain fog is actually a step up from my normal state. So it, <laughs> yeah, it, that's me too. I, I it's, think it's, uh, with my, my, it's actually a net gain, I think. Um, yeah. But you look at me, I, mean, I, guess, well, I, I guess, I guess from Brian's standpoint, I mean, I, I never really heard you heard your thoughts on, on, on how good you think this Purdue team can be this year? Oh, I, th I thought that was going to be a COVID question. Um, <laughs> I want to know who's – they have to score to win. I, I think yeah. we can all agree on that. And I think Milton Wright, you know, really had a golden opportunity here this year. And I think if they had that one guy who was a clear-cut number one receiver, I'd, I'd be a lot more – you know, confident in their ability to go out there and, you know, throw for 300, 325 yards every single game and put, you know, put 35 points on the board. I also think having that guy has always, you know, helped the running game, has helped the tight end. And when you're mm -hmm. on paper right now, your best receiving threat is probably your tight end. And yeah. 
if you don't have those guys putting pressure on the defense on the perimeters, on the perimeter, I guess there's only one perimeter, um, <laughs> that inextricably affects the spacing over the middle of the field for Payne Durham. That, you know, it, it's just that's my biggest question with this team. As much as, as you know, I, I think they have to continue their trajectory defensively. I, I'm not as as curious about that as I am offensively. I think your best chance to win is Aiden O'Connell going out there and throwing the ball mm-hmm. um, three out every four downs or whatever it might be, throwing the ball down the field. But the biggest question for me is who is that guy? Uh, who is that guy who you know people really have to worry about, who open everything up for everyone else? I think they got a lot of talent at wide receiver. It's just a lot of those younger guys, you know, that were part of that really impressive recruiting run Purdue had. They've not really done much yet. And a lot of them haven't stayed healthy. Yeah. You know, if a TJ Sheffield or a Mershon Rice or a, um, a Durakman Yassin, one of those guys, if they could get out there and they can, you know, uh, capitalize on that promise they brought to Purdue with them. They've not really had the chance to do that yet because the the depth chart hasn't required them to, and they haven't been able to stay on the field. That's just bad luck. Um, or if a Brock Thompson blows up, or if a Tyrone Tracy blows up, or a Charlie Jones blows up, you know, kind of something like that. But that's my biggest question with this team. I don't see any reason why they can't win just as many games this year as they did last year. Uh, personally, even without David Bell, even with, without George Karloftis, I think the schedule um, is compatible with that level of success. But I think they have to they have to show they've got the same sort of offensive firepower they've had in years past. Because when Purdue's been successful under Jeff Brom, it's been because of their offense. It's been because of their vertical passing game, largely, and things like that. That's my biggest question, but I don't see any reason why they can't be just as good this year as, as they were last year. Yeah. And you, you look at the schedule and again, that's going to be a narrative that uh, even though in the time you outlined the, 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 the games that were the linchpin games uh, on the site, uh, it's, you know, there's, I can't imagine, I can't think of a, an opener in, in decades that are going to be, it's going to be big, more, more important than September 1st, the night of September 1st when Penn State. Well, it was just a couple of years ago. I remember they opened against Northwestern. Yeah, they put big. a lot of emphasis on that. I remember Brahm in Chicago at media day talking about oh, yeah. that game and how important it was, and how important it was for them to, to, to get off to a good start. I think this one is probably even more important than that one because you're in that same position again, but Penn State's a little bit of a different animal too. Yeah, no doubt. I think yeah, the Rondale Moore's uh, debut and that uh, setting what it was at the uh, he set the, almost set the uh, all-purpose yardage mark in the first half of that mm-hmm. game, but still Purdue lost and uh, against the Northwestern team that I believe. And Tom, correct me if I'm wrong, or Brian that uh, went on to win the Big Ten that, that year. But uh, yeah. again, that's that, that's where it's going to be. You're right. It's you got a big brand coming in here on the first game of the year. Uh, that's what's going to be interesting. Tom, I, I want a question I have is looking at, you know, okay, you go back to the, and this is the naive uh, person asking this question, but you'll go back to the Music City Bowl. And I, and I know ten, Tennessee's defense was was what it was. Uh, but how much do you take into the fact that a Brock Thompson and, 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 and a bunch of known, kind of no-name guys, no Milton Wright, no David Bell, did step forward? Was that a one-off? Do you think that will give – all these other defensive coordinators look at that and say, well, you know, we know that personnel is not as 
probably as good on paper as as it was last year. That's probably obvious. I mean, how do you how do you view that? Is it is it can you just flip the switch and still throw for 500 yards if you've got Aiden O'Connell who threw two interceptions in that game too and still had a great game? What do you, how do you view that? I think I uh, I think Purdue can can be as successful if not as successful darn close to it as they were last year even without Wright and Bell. Um, and I think that Music City Bowl you know, gave us at least a glimpse of the possibilities, right? Um, uh, pretty really had no pressure on them that game. Uh, yeah, that helped. Still, uh, it, it, it was a nice performance. And again, uh, the tip of the hat to what the offense can be without their two best wide receivers. Um, you know, Brian talked about keeping those those, those guys healthy. If we finally get a full-blown Mershon Rice and a TJ Sheffield and a Abdul Rahman Yassin, if if Brock Thompson stays healthy, he could be your alpha. And then uh, the young guy, Deion Burks, really intrigues me a lot. We saw a little bit of him in that bowl game. Yeah, unbelievable. Nashville. And I think Preston Terrell may be still a year away. I know they kind of like the kid from Auburn, Elijah Canyon. He's a six-foot-four guy, the biggest receiver they've got. He kind of gives you a different dimension who can maybe work his way in. Is Colin Sullivan, guys, is, 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 is he a guy that's going to finally make a move? You know, he got he got on the field a little bit in Nashville, too. So and then we, we, of course, Charlie Jones and Tyrone Tracy. So, boy, it's uh, it seems like a, a deep room, doesn't it? And there's a lot of options there. And uh, is there an All-American? You know, probably not. But I, I think with Aiden O'Connell throwing the football and with those tight ends, I think there may be enough there to make the collective um, pretty effective in <laughs> throwing the football. And. And like I said, maybe this Kobe Lewis kid from Central Michigan, you know, he's not Herschel Walker, but, you know, he has rushed for 1,000 yards in a season. He's coming off an injury, didn't play last year, but I think he's motivated because of that too. He sees great opportunity. And uh, you couple that opportunity uh, with this, what I perceive to be his self-motivation, and there's a chance where he can maybe make this run game even a little bit more effective. Um, and, of course, if that happens, guys – it certainly is going to benefit Aiden O'Connell throwing the football, right? Yeah. Brian, I want to get your opinion, Tom, too. Come back to you on the the and we you use the word collective in in a non uh, NIL. Uh, that's pretty impressive, Tom. That was good. But uh, you know, that was possible. Unintended. But, uh, but my question is on Aiden O'Connell, who's a very mature, he's a six-year guy. I mean, he's a walk-on that has done, you know, it's an amazing story that uh uh, that uh, that he made it to where he is, and and you know I think Brian wrote the story and back when he was a you know just like his second year about uh, that this is guys to keep an eye on. My question is here's Aiden O'Connell's schedule on Friday night this this week he had a golf outing at and this was not an NIL event but they they have some uh, best ball with he and and uh, and Austin Burton uh, doing a uh, playing with two pretty golf guys. He's getting married at uh the late next week i am I, and, and he's done some events and yet he's a very focused guy do you do you have brian i'll start with you any 
you know, just in, in the world of NIL and focus and all those kinds of things, uh, well, do you see these guys flipping the switch back to 100% football? And maybe Aiden O'Connell's not a good example because he seems to be a pretty mature guy. But how do you see all that playing out in, in, the, in this new world of some of this stuff? Uh, what impact, if any, will it play uh, once the lights get turned on, once the pads get started with practice? Yeah, I think it's going to be different for every kid. The one thing that's always struck me about Aiden O'Connell is he has a really, you know, strong foundation. He's a he seems like a pretty level guy, and I, I don't think he's gonna he's gonna walk out in the fall thinking all of a sudden he's Patrick Mahomes or something like that. Yeah. I think the one thing, name, image, likeness, and just the the sheer demands of like college football stardom nowadays that that that's that just comes with the territory. That's a good problem to have. You know, Rondell Moore a few years ago was like showing up at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway for, for for events, and he had a banner in downtown Indianapolis. Drew Brees' summer was a full-time job, basically. I mean, his full-time job was being Drew Brees. Um, and I think those guys, you saw that, you know, they were able to handle it. I wouldn't anticipate I, – I don't think Aiden O'Connell is the sort of guy who's conditioned to necessarily be a star. I, I think he's kind of – He's kind of living a charmed life here to a certain extent. Um, I do think it's time for people, you know, to stop viewing him as a walk-on because I think there comes a point in time where that story flips from this kid overachieved to college coaches screwed up in the first place. Yeah. You know, um, but I think that he's – I, I I don't anticipate – I mean, I I don't know Aiden O'Connell personally, uh, but – he's never struck me as anybody who's going to go out there full of himself or somebody who's not able to kind of compartmentalize things. God, I almost botched that word (laughs) compartmentalize things and focus on what he needs to be focused on. But this is going to be one of the broad challenges of this era where college athletes are more professionalized than ever before, because there are going to be a lot of demands on their time. There are going to be a lot more distractions. There are going to be a lot more things to consider in terms of, uh, what you got going on off the field, off the court, whatever it might be. I don't anticipate it being a problem for, for Aiden O'Connell, uh, but there are going to be guys in college football and college basketball who kind of struggle with this, get distracted, you know, start to worry about things other than what are, is directly important relative to what they're, you know, kind of doing competitively and academically and so on and so forth. I'd be astonished if that becomes a problem for Aiden O'Connell. Yeah. Tommy, your, your view on this and just in the whole role of this, uh, you know, it is a new world and you're, and we're, we're talking to these guys and uh, does it have, does it have an impact or how, what, what level of impact, not just with Aiden O'Connell, but you talk to other coaches around the country, et cetera, that, you know, we're all still trying to figure out some of this stuff out and will it have any impact once we see the, 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 uh, the uh, ball get kicked off? I guess I don't, I don't think so. I mean, just like in the NFL, it's like any office and people make different amounts of money. Right. I mean, not everybody on the NFL team makes the same amount of money and they they still go out and play football games and and play their role. Um, I think there is some, there was, there is some concern still from coaches since this is new to the college game, how this could impact your locker room. We see guys, football players are pretty retweeting things from other programs that they're doing. Yeah, uh, I think there's a. I think there's a sense of uh, where's mine? When am I going to get mine? And I, I think that's understandable. I think that's human nature. Uh, so, 
again, that is a dynamic, I think, it's new and uh, and you don't want it to become a divisive force. Uh, and I'm sure that every school wants to keep their players happy. You always want to keep your people happy. So, yeah, there's still a little bit of an unknown here uh, to see all how all this works out. And it's going to be fascinating to see what this does look like in three to five years. Is every Purdue going to play going to be making the same amount of money, at least a base minimum? Uh, are we headed toward a union? On and on we go. We've all played this game on our head, right? Yeah where we're headed and what it could look like. And will they end up just being employees collectively bargained with, with the salary cap. So I think this is just a, the bare beginning here, but yeah, again, um, like I said, I think uh, you, you do wonder as a coach, I would wonder, you know, if I'm my offensive line coach and, you know, my veteran who's here, been here busting his hump for three years has got nothing. And here comes an 18 year old kid making half a million dollars and, what's my offensive lineman going to think? Yeah. So I, I think there's got to be a little bit of that that would worry if you were a coach, maybe. Yeah, no, I think it's a reality and still still to be determined. All right, Brian, I want to touch a little bit on recruiting. Uh, uh, through your your you had had a, a busy front end of July, and and, and uh, with 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 COVID and recruiting, it's not been as easy here the last couple of weeks. But any anything in terms of Anything more on the basketball front? I know they have a number of visitors in in, in August, but also as football recruiting, uh, a very busy June for Jeff Brom and company. Uh, any 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 other things that to, to watch for in the upcoming week or two with respect to to uh, Purdue's recruiting front? Uh, yeah, time has run together for me. I don't even know what day it is. Um, I think maybe like before August first, Purdue football. Here's from Kendrick Gilbert, the four-star defensive tackle from Cathedral. Uh, I like Purdue's chances there, uh, but I don't know if anything's been decided yet. I think you know Purdue and Kentucky are probably ahead of LSU and Iowa. If I had to guess, uh, that would be a really, really strong finish to a really outstanding defensive line class uh, for Purdue and a really big addition on top of what really on paper looks like a solid class. Um, you know, the one thing Jeff Brown's recruiting classes have always kind of been defined by is kind of like the star power, yeah. like those th three or four guys per class that are, are, are so good athletically and have so much promise that they're going to walk in right away and help you. You know, the David Bells, the Carl Loftuses, the Rondell Moores. Um, I don't know if this class necessarily has that yet. The biggest, you know, star on paper in the class is a quarterback. And it, it, it it's kind of hard to hard to envision a quarterback, you know, playing at Purdue right away. Um, and I'm not necessarily saying Kendrick Gilbert would walk in right away and kind of be that game changer, but um, he would be, you know, one of those kind of higher caliber sorts of recruits, at least in terms of the level they were recruited at, the level they're ranked at. Obviously things are very difficult for defensive linemen walking in right away and, making a huge impact, kind of things like that. On the basketball front, it's just, you know, uh, Purdue's continuing to to work on Xavier Booker, seeing how much traction they can keep there while everybody in the country, you know, comes after him and kind of the nature of that recruitment changes a little bit. Um, but they're further ahead in 2024 probably than they are in 2023 in that regard. Uh, you know, I, I think zeroing in on cannon catchings to go along with Jack Benner to, you know, to open up this, this, this 2024 class, getting the 2025 kids on campus, finally starting August 1st, you know, Trent Sisley, Jalen Harrelson, Malachi Marino, kind of people like that. Um, 
they're going to have their elite camp at the end of the month. Next month, they're going to have lots of visitors. I'm sure in August, they're going to have lots of junior official visits in fall. Um, it's going to be a busier August probably than, than normal, uh, for, for pretty basketball recruiting. So, um, that's what I got. Uh, I want to, uh, one thing I w- we're going to revert back to media day, cause I want to get both of your guys, Mike Leach, uh, obviously the head coach of Mississippi state. Uh, got to keep, keep track of that. It's always famous for being at media day and talking about ties. Uh, I think it was this week and how he used it as napkins and, and going completely off the rails and not talking all about football. You guys have covered a number of these and over the years, is there anybody in the big 10 that, uh, uh, is must or, or or over the years, some of the favorite ones you've had on winning media day, you know, in other words, being a guy that uh, makes an impact on winning on media day that creates a national stirs, maybe Jim Harbaugh, uh, Tom, I'll start with you. Who do you, uh, who do you expect to be, uh, uh, or is there anybody in the big 10 or over the years, guys that you've covered that have been extra, extra fun in that, this environment? Yeah. He's the one guy, Alan, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, you know, no shock there. He's a little offbeat. Um, you know, I know early on he was like he he wouldn't wear his jacket and tie, of course. And uh, as we've seen from some recent comments from Harbaugh, he's not afraid to tell you what he thinks on yeah. any subject. And within the state Big Ten footprint, boy, that uh, that's just not commonplace. Everybody usually stays pretty buttoned up in this conference especially when you get on dais and you're, you're speaking before the media and the public. So Jim Harbaugh definitely is a mold breaker from how he can conducts himself and <clears throat> what he's willing to discuss on the record in a public forum. Um, I can't recall anybody in the big 10, uh, uh, even similar ilk since I've been going to these things. I've been to, I've been to most media days and other leagues and yeah, Mike Leach is another one. Uh, it's kind of a good good way to diffuse topics. If it's yeah. you can avoid having to talk about stuff you you don't want to talk about. Yeah, <laughs> go off on a tangent, right, and try to be the funny man. And uh, so, yeah, it's it's it is sort of a kind of a fun fun experience when you get a head coach who sort of does go off script sometimes and and does his own thing, so to speak. Yeah, Jim. Jim is probably the closest one. Brian, over the years, anybody that from a football standpoint, I'm trying to think of maybe Joe Till. I don't know. The Joe was always pretty buttoned. I never said stuff, but at least was kind of quotable. But is there anybody else in the league that over the years that that uh, jumps off the page in in, in football uh, that was really somebody that you just didn't know what the heck we who's going to say? Well, Tiller used to turn it into open mic night, and that's yeah. why people liked him and. That's why, you know, it was kind of like when Tim Miles was at basketball yeah. media day, he'd go yeah. up there. And it was good. You'd feel compelled to give him a tip when he was done. Because <laughs> it, it was, it was the, uh, I mean, yeah. it, it, it was sheer entertainment. I'm always interested by the coaches who are around long enough to know the league, but also around long enough and not give a damn what they say. Um, I think toward the end, I don't know if it's okay for me to say positive things about Joe Paterno and Bobby Knight. Um, but I think those guys at Big Ten Media Day, when you'd ask them an issue question or something like that, they would tell you what you think, what they really think. I think Tom Izzo in basketball right now is that guy who, if there's something going on with college basketball, that a lot of coaches would just kind of diplomatically word around. He's the guy who said, this is stupid. What are we doing? You know, I think that Matt Painter's kind of getting there. 
I, in terms of his, in terms of his credibility in the industry, in terms of how people view him as a prominent voice in college football or college basketball, yeah. there's the brain fog for you. <laughs> um, so it's kind of those guys who are really going to tell you what they think that I think are really valuable in these sorts of situations. The thing I don't like about the way big 10 media days are going and conference media days in general are going is these things used to be so valuable to like sit down next to the coach you cover and talk about the like, okay, who's really made a move at second team right guard right now. And you would start to get good off season pieces of information from the coach that you don't see as much during the off season than you do during the season. It was kind of that, that clearing house for, really important day-to-day nuts and bolts stuff that aren't going to kind of win the press conference, you know, so to speak, that people aren't going to care about. But this thing has become so much more into this scripted media event. And the the news cycle nowadays is such where the one-liner at the podium steals headlines for a day. And that's pretty much it. And you just have more aggregators and more bloggers and more, you know, less substantive coverage than you used to have. Um, Everybody's behind a podium now, and any reporter in, in in the country will tell you what you get from somebody at a podium versus. Now, I don't. This isn't necessarily a COVID thing. This was something I think that was happening before COVID. Any reporter will tell you what you get from an athlete or a coach from behind a podium is very, very different than what you would get sitting right next to them, having an actual meaningful human conversation with them. Um, I, I just think this thing, I think these things have just become less substantive. They've become more about the tweet and the viral moment. And everybody kind of forgets about what was said the next day anyway. And people like me and Tom who go there to find out about that second team, right guard tend to not find out as much about the second team, right guard, because that's just kind of, kind of the nature of the event event nowadays. It's not nearly as, uh, for lack of a better term, intimate as it used to be. Yeah. 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 I think Brian summed it up very well there. You know, the setup in Chicago was they had that big ballroom and coach was at every table and a player was at every table. And it's almost like a cafeteria or buffet. And you could just kind of wander around and, and, and sidle up. And I think Brian makes a good point about just that, the physical setup of the podium the formality of it, you know, I, I think it, I think it does impact the type of answers people are, are, are have to give as opposed to being in a more conversational setting, sitting right next to them at a table, so to speak. Yeah. It just seems to like the nature of media where everybody's writing like the same story. Yeah. I and I think you can, I think a good example of this is like, it was just a couple of days ago. And obviously these national writers are doing their jobs. I'm, I'm not being critical of them, but I don't know if it was the big 12 or the ACC, one or the other, the commissioner came up and said, we're quote open for business. Yeah. And then everybody's story, that was the headline <laughs> and that was the tweet. And they were all out at the same time. <laughs> it's like, what are we doing here? We're all writing the same story. Um, oh, I'm getting news alerts on that. Even, but yeah. that that's kind of the nature of the event, the event nowadays. It's like yeah. whatever the thing that everybody that perks everybody up from the podium yeah, everybody's writing the same story nowadays, and then and then fifty aggregators are aggregating it, and mm. you know, <laughs> it's all gone in an hour, um, which is not. I don't think it's good for the reader. I I I I, I don't think it's meaningful coverage. 
um, as much as it used to be, but it's kind of the, the changing nature of the media landscape. It's also the product of the fact that what people don't understand about the media is that the media is a product of what people show they want or what that they are willing to consume. And, you know, if people wanted in depth, you know, hashed out, flushed out coverage of these programs nowadays, I think you, you would have a lot more of it. It, it. If, if those things got clicked, if those things got subscribed to more importantly, I think you would get a lot more of that as opposed to the, um, yeah, everybody writing the same story based off the same quote, and then it's showing up for free on, you know, 22 blogs and being retweeted by, or aggregated by 22 Twitter accounts called collegefootballanalysis.com or something like that, you know, with eight followers. Um, that's just kind of, kind of the nature of the uh, mm-hmm. fragmented media nowadays and the, and the, the, uh, this bizarro news cycle we all now operate in. So that's my, yeah, that's my manifesto on the nature of sports media in uh, the year 2022. Um, specifically big 10 and conference media days. Hey, real quick. Hey, real quick guys. Uh, <clears throat> if you can believe it, it's the 25th anniversary of uh, that 1997 season, Joe Tiller's debut. Um. That's still one of my all-time favorite seasons for a lot of different reasons. And I got a chance to talk to Billy Dickin for about an hour yesterday just to kind of get his thoughts. I kind of was going to – I'm going to try to get a story post the next couple of weeks just sort of through his eyes, starting with Tiller's hire through the Oklahoma State game on that, on that season, which was so magical for so many people and really set the table for a great 12-year run uh, for Purdue in a season that had so many – so many highs and um and boy just to go from the depths to Coletto era to that I mean it's 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 a lot of fun and Billy Dickin you know you guys know Billy he's a he's a good storyteller and he likes to talk so uh, and he he's doing he's doing well right now in his life as well it's funny that it's funny that you mentioned that because I find myself too often like using the Tiller era as my standard for comparison um for what's come after him and that was 25 years ago and i still find myself viewing that as kind of like the blueprint for what's possible at purdue and how you can do it at purdue and here i am like comparing things in the jeff brahm era to things in the joe tiller era well at ohio state you don't compare ryan day to john cooper and at michigan you don't compare jim harbaugh to lloyd carr it it just it, it that still feels modern to me but I guess it's yeah, not. It's not yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I had one question. But it's better than comparing the Jeff Brom era to the Daryl Hazel era. So. That is correct. That is correct. <laughs> and there were similarities 2017 and 1997. I, obviously, 97 was more accomplished, but there was that crazy run of the yeah. uh, of, of research. Now, one question, and, and this will tie this together. And for old long time fans, I, I meant to ask you this earlier, Tom. Any chance that Milton Wright pulls a Brian Alford? No, no, there's not. No, it's it's over, Alan. It's over. Totally over. Okay, so because yeah, Brian Alford, <laughs> there was Brian Alford for context. 
<laughs> was ineligible, had to go to junior college in 96, came back and played and was an All-Big Ten receiver in 97. Thanks for – He was great, man. Al, Brian Alford was – oh, my, he's one of my all-time favorites. But no, Milton, Milton, dude, Milton, it's not going to happen for Milton. Okay. No, yeah. there was there was a one point – I kind of got the feeling there's a point where there was a, maybe a very razor, razor-thin hope – I, I don't want to get into the reasons why. Yeah, I understood. But, but then I was followed up, uh, 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 I don't know, shortly thereafter and was, was given the finale or, or kind of, I kind of, I'm kind of led to believe, I guess, that it, it's over. And unfortunately, it's over for Milton. And uh, I think Milton was given every opportunity to succeed. And, uh, you know, it's a story we see repeated countlessly by, heck, guys, you, you were in college. We were all in college with guys. Guys, yeah. Oh, yeah. But anyway, it's unfortunate. Like Brian said earlier, it's unfortunate because what an opportunity for Milton, right? Uh, could have been the, the alpha, could have been an all-Big Ten receiver, could have really left his mark, maybe caught 100 passes this year, and now he's gone. So, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just too bad for him uh, on a lot of different levels, you know, academically and, of course, football-wise. What's his next move? I have no idea. Some right. guys just struggle in school. I mean, that's kind of, kind of the nature yeah. of college. I mean, I don't know if, 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 if anyone who's ever talked to Milton Wright knows yeah. he's, he's yeah. an intelligent, engaging guy. He's got people skills. He's going to probably be successful one day, no matter what he does, because he's got that yeah. sort of yeah. presence to him. Mm-hmm. He was one of the nicest kids I think I've I've ever gone down to see during you know in high school. One of the most engaging guys. It's some guys just struggle in school. That's kind of the nature of yeah being students. Uh, sometimes it's unfortunate for Purdue. It's unfortunate for Milton Wright. I think this would have been a he would have been a really really prominent player for them this year. If not like maybe even a, a borderline All America type. Mm-hmm. Um, but stuff happens. Uh, yeah, I remember that game of, the game of Wrigley Field he had this yeah, he year. Terrific, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he kind of gave you an idea of what Woody was capable of, and yeah. uh, that's one that really sticks with me. That that day, Alan and I were up there and got to see Milton Wright just strut his stuff in the friendly confines. That was that was a lot of fun. Well, I was glad to know that I never struggled in school. I was a six O student back in the day <laughs> on the six O scale, but uh, that is not true. Uh, I think Guys, today I wouldn't even get into Purdue, so yeah. <laughs> I've got so, no room to talk. Oh, I wouldn't have gotten into Purdue if it weren't for that sweet, sweet New Jersey tuition. Yeah, there you go. They like they <laughs> like had, had those coffers, and I I just I just completely pulled a rabbit out of my hat on the SAT. That helped too. Well, I think there's a reason behind that. Um, that you that there's 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 intelligence for both of you. But are you cl- are you trying to say I cheated? No, no. I said that you're that you showed well on you're 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 a smart guy. So you are a smart guy. guy. You're a smart guy. Right. But we wish Milton Wright the best. And and I would agree. My one one interview with Milton during during fall camp, really engaging guy, and and you wish him well. But uh, sometimes things don't work out. But on that note. We're yeah. going to close this thing. It's we've enjoyed uh, our conversation, and we hope you have too. Uh, we'll be have next week. Be back talking about the start of fall camp, and uh, that's well, those fall camp will be starting on on, eight, on August second, right? And uh, but we'll have the rehash of media day and some other stuff as well. Want to thank our sponsor, the Union Club Hotel, the Eight Eleven uh, Bistro Boiler Up Bar. We appreciate uh, their support, and uh, we look forward to. Uh, we all look forward to get things rolling as we get head into the twenty twenty two season, and all the news and information will be on the site. 
uh, upcoming uh, with respect to that. So guys, have a great week. And we appreciate uh, all of you for watching and listening and however you consume our consumables. And uh, we'll, we'll look forward to uh, more of the same on our Saturday simulcast next week. Take care. If you're watching this on YouTube, like and subscribe. Yes. It will always if you liked it. If you don't, if you didn't like it, just leave it alone. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. Yeah, that's a good, good public service announcement that uh, I need to make every week. But guys, thanks. Thanks again. Have a good week, all. All right.